Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Good morning. It is Monday, June 7th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by 24-7 Sports National College Football writer Chris Hummer. We just wrapped up a busy weekend as schools had their first official visit weekend on the recruiting trail. And now they will be eagerly and maybe um, with a little bit of anger reading Chris Hummer's development rating article on 24-7 Sports today on Monday. An annual look at which programs do the best job of developing elite talent and turning that elite talent into NFL draft picks. Chris, welcome to the show. Good luck trying to explain this entire thing and rationalize where teams ranked in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> it's not an easy task, but I'm excited to talk about it. This is one of my favorite pieces of the year. I feel like at 24-7 Sports, we spend so much time focusing on top 247 players. We want to know where those four stars and those five stars are going to go. Fans spend hours and hours on message boards, like deciphering every tweet and every crystal ball kind of notification that comes in about those players, wondering if they're going to get to campus. But we probably don't spend as much time kind of figuring out what happens to them after they get there. Obviously, we see the NFL drafts, but I don't really think that provides a holistic picture of development. So a couple of years ago, I came up with the idea to kind of create a development rating, which essentially takes those top 247 players every year, so the 247 plus players in the country and recruiting, and figures out what happens to them once they get in college and how they were developed. Um, it used to be a pretty simple system. Um, you took first round picks, you put them in a bucket, second and third round picks, you put them in a bucket, and then day three picks, fourth round through seventh round, and put them in a bucket and assigned them a point total, and then divided that by the total number of their draft picks uh, to create a development score. And that was great, but we, we tweaked the rankings a little bit this year to kind of give a bit more weight to some other areas, especially because players at the back half of the top 247 are a lot less likely to be drafted. But I don't really need to go into the specifics here. I don't think you can check out the article for that. Essentially, the end product is a development rating to figure out what schools develop elite talent best. And as always, Alabama seems to be at the top of that. And that's very much the case this year. Yeah. And then my one quick logistical question before we jump into the teams and all that, Actually, I have two. I have a question though. Do you get credit in this era of the transfer portal? Does who gets credit for Jalen Hurts? Oklahoma? Oklahoma would get credit for Jalen Hurts. Essentially, we take out four different kind of classifications of players from the rankings. Players who are dismissed won't hurt against a team. Players who didn't qualify won't hurt against a team. Players who medically retired won't hurt against a t- hurt a team. And then players who transferred won't hurt a team if they were on campus for two or fewer seasons. 
Okay. So if a player leaves the school after two seasons, they will not hurt a team's development rating. However, if they go to another school and get drafted, like in the example of Jalen Hurts, that player counts for the school in which they were drafted from. So Oklahoma in that case, rather than Alabama. Well, that, and that, that makes sense because Joe Burrow shouldn't, Ohio State shouldn't get credit for Joe Burrow. But as you're going to point out right now, those classes, the Jalen Hurts class, well, maybe he was 2016. We're looking at 2012 through 2016, right, Chris? Because we have to wait until everyone is possibly exhausted all eligibility. So 2017 Alabama's class, Judy, Tua, Ruggs, Devontae, those guys don't count yet. Yeah, this is only a five-year study between 2012 and 2016. I don't like to count players who have already been drafted from later classes, so the 2017 and the 2018 classes, because it doesn't provide a holistic view of how those teams developed that cycle. Like Alabama still needs to cycle out some of those kind of 2017 players. Honestly, frankly, there aren't many of them from Alabama that cycle who did not go on to be drafted. So those players need to cycle out of college before we can really take a look at how that class went. So we limit this to kind of the five-year window of complete development in college. And obviously there's a lot of six-year seniors this year, but usually it's only kind of a five-year stretch. And the large majority of 2016 players have exhausted their eligibility. So we kind of use that as the cutoff point for the five-year window. Okay. So everyone can check out that article in Poke Holes in it. Let's talk about <laughs> the teams who do the best job. What else is there to say about Alabama, right? Like, I, I think we're good there. Uh, 1.13, they lead the way. Do you have anything interesting to say about the Crimson Tide or can we move on? I do actually. We When I tweaked these rankings, I did so specifically where teams get less credit for recruiting those elite, elite players. So I put them in buckets, 1 to 50, 51 through 100, 101 through 150, and so on to kind of weight things for those teams that develop more players in the back half at the top 247. Because frankly, data shows that it is more difficult to do that than it is to develop kind of the five stars, the elite of the elite. And Alabama was the team most hurt by that. 60% of their drafted players came in that first bucket. So one through 50. And despite that, Alabama still is number one in these rankings. So essentially... I didn't specifically design it to hurt Alabama, but we weighted the scores to kind of more evenly consider an Alabama and Ohio State. And Alabama is still number one in these rankings. I think one of the most staggering stats in sports is Alabama during Nick Saban's tenure has produced first round draft picks at a 51.5% rate for their five stars. So every five-star Alabama recruit has essentially a 50% chance of being drafted in the first round. Everybody else nationally is 21.2%. And I think Alabama ranking number one in the development rankings, despite the fact we kind of weighted things against a lot of their draft picks, is a testament to just how good Nick Saban's been throughout his career of not only recruiting the best players, but cultivating that talent and putting them in the NFL draft. It makes sense. So Florida's number two, Washington's number three, Ohio State's number four, LSU's number five. I think the the weird thing about these rankings that fans have to understand is interestingly enough, if Florida being two, that's a Jim McElwain, Dan Mullen thing, right? Like Washington is a Chris Peterson, Jimmy Lake, Ohio State's an Urban Meyer, Ryan Day. It's it's the recruiting and then it's the development. So when you look at Florida, Chris who gets the credit here for Florida being second? Is it McIlwain for recruiting the players or is it Dan Mullen? Because I don't think like we haven't even factored in Dan Mullen's first recruiting class yet, but a lot of these players he helped develop. And it's, it's not actually just both of those. I think there's a little Will Muschamp sprinkled in there because Florida is still getting credit for 2012 players who were gotcha. recruited under Will Muschamp and also were developed under Will Muschamp. So it's, it's a little bit of everything, but I don't think Jim McIlwain got enough credit for 
kind of some of his recruiting wins, like Kyle Trask being foremost among them. Kyle Trask is not factored in these rankings. He wasn't a top two, four, seven player. But I think Jim McElwain did a better job identifying talent than most people kind of give him credit for. And the last couple of years, we've seen Dan Mullen do a really good job, kind of turn some of those players into draft picks. Um, we saw that with guys like Freddie Swain and Tyree Cleveland, who maybe were kind of fringe guys when Will Ma- Jim McElwain left and Will Muschamp turned them into draft picks. So I think Florida's done a really good job over the years developing their talent. It might not always reflect in the win-loss column, but generally I think Florida's been pretty good even in the post-Urban Meyer era. I know those two SEC championship losses that Jim McElwain have, kind of get they get roasted for because Alabama crushed them. But they still got there. And I think it just also shows what kind of position Florida can be in if Dan Mullen really gets that thing rolling from a recruiting perspective. Dan Mullen's already shown the ability to kind of cultivate and develop. If he can bring in those elite recruits as well, like Florida's going to be a force. And I think this is kind of a testament to not only what Dan Mullen's done, but Jim McElwain's a little underrated as well with the way he kind of led that program. And I think Washington at number three is a bit of a surprise. They have way fewer kind of players in these rankings than a lot of other teams. They only had 12 kind of draft eligible players for our ranking system, but Chris Peterson consistently turned out NFL players from that program, especially in the secondary. More than 50% of those 12 players were drafted. And I think Washington, they were the last team in the Pac-12 to reach the college football playoff. Washington, I believe, has more draft picks outside of USC than anybody in the Pac-12 the last decade or so. They've been really consistent. And I think this kind of ranking is a testament to what they've done from a development perspective to keep themselves there. Well, I was going to say, if you're Washington, you are, especially on the heels of they, they had JT Tuimolo out, the number one recruit in 2021. They had him on campus this past weekend. If you're Washington and you're in their recruiting department, you are blowing this story up today, right? Right, Chris? Like you're, you're making graphics out of it. You're tweeting about it. I don't know if they're going to do that. They haven't always struck me as, you know, the most forward thinking, engaging program. Maybe Jimmy Lake is a little bit different, but to be number three in the development rating, I don't care who gets credit for it. To be better at development of elite recruits in Ohio State, which is four and LSU five and, and, and Georgia, like you have to make a big deal out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And any coach who says they don't pay attention to things like this is lying. Urban Meyer even said last year, he kind of shouted out these rankings that they matter. I know that Ohio State Ohio State was second in these rankings last year. And I know that staff took that seriously and was showing these graphics to a lot of recruits. And I believe, I don't remember the specific recruit last year, but he was an Ohio State commit for a while. And he even mentioned a big reason he didn't stay home in Texas was that Texas was dead last in these development ratings in 2020. So Tunisia Adelaide, who ends up at A&M, which is interesting yeah. in development now. Yeah. 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 But it does matter. And Washington, I think, really would be smart to kind of trumpet this because it, it matters that you develop better. Because at the end of the day, like national championships are great, but most kids care about their path to the NFL. And Florida, Washington, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU have consistently shown that they get players there. One thing to look at, and we're not going to talk about it, but one thing to look at, we've always been giving Georgia a lot of love on the recruiting trail. We're not quite yet at the Kirby Smart number one classes. Those start in 2018. We're still two cycles away, but number nine is good, but it's, let's see what happens, right? Like I, I think some people in the NFL draft, the dogs, I think they had one for, yeah, they had one first round pick in, in 2021. So this is great for most schools, Chris, but that's the sort of low for them. So let's, let's keep an eye on Georgia in the next few years, because if they're not cracking the top three, then I think they lose a little bit of the recruiting steam, uh, or, or at least their arguments against Alabama. 
Yeah, Georgia's 2017 class will be a really interesting test case. They have three first-round picks from that group, Isaiah Wilson, DeAndre Swift, Andrew Thomas. Those yeah, don't fit yeah. in. DeAndre was a second-rounder. Oh, DeAndre Swift is a second-rounder. I'm sorry. But then they well, also he, have... I mean, yeah, he's a lead guy. Yeah, but they don't. They also have some players in that kind of top 247 group who are not going to get drafted. So to see how that balances out, is going to be really interesting. And that 2017 is kind of when that run really starts. As you said, they had, I think they've had five straight top four classes since then. So to see kind of where Georgia falls in that is going to be really fascinating for that program. Because what separates Alabama, as we said earlier, is Nick Saban's ability to consistently turn those elite players into draft picks. And I don't know if Kirby Smart will be able to keep up that momentum, as you said, if he's not ranking high in this kind of uh, study and category. Well, and I, it's funny. I said we weren't going to talk about them, but here we are. And the, the 2018 class for Georgia, that was number one. They got some holes. You know, Justin Fields, they won't even get credit for him. So the worst schools at this, well, what can you say? Texas 25, <laughs> A&M 26, Oregon 27. Chris is a, the cutoff at 27th just because of schools who signed top two for seven players. Yeah, we limited kind of the pool to schools that had 10 or more eligible players kind of for the study. Uh, anything smaller would be just like too small of a sample size. They just wouldn't have enough players and it would really skew the rankings. I think like Wisconsin's a really good example. Wisconsin would actually rank really low in these rankings if you kind of put them in here, despite their development success over the years. It's just because I think Wisconsin had five kind of eligible players for the study in a five-year window. And if three of those guys bust, it kind of completely takes them out of the mix. So Washington, like at number two or three, kind of does benefit from that a little bit with only 12 players. But we really wanted to kind of keep the sample size at least consistent across the board, which is why we cut it off at 27. Tell me about A&M and Texas bringing up the rear here with Oregon too. And Oregon's Oregon surprises me. You explained it well in your article. It, it explains the nosedive in the end of the Mark Helfrich era. I think they're going to turn things around with Mario Cristobal. He does not deserve any blame for this, but Texas and Texas A&M it's up to Steve Sarkeesian and Jimbo Fisher to turn this around. I don't know who gets the blame for the Texas thing. It's just Charlie strong. It's just Mac Brown. Crazy Chris. We're studying this. We're doing a study in which Mac Brown had a class that participates in it. Uh, is it Tom Herman? It's not Steve Sarkeesian yet. And then A&M, this is probably uh, a reflection on the end of the Kevin Sumlin era. But hey, you had a quote that went viral last week from Quinn Ewers, the number one player in 2022, talking about why he was leaving the state of Texas. Stuff like this doesn't help. Yeah, absolutely. Quinn was talking about a lack of national championships. When I talked to him, I was just asking, why do so many five stars leave the state of Texas recently? I think in the last four cycles, half of the five stars from the state of Texas have ended up outside of the state's borders. And when Texas was winning national championships in 2005, that, that did not happen. The best players stayed home. So that has really shifted. And Quinn was pointing towards a lack of winning as his kind of reasoning for that. But when you look at where Ohio State sits in these rankings, when you look at where Alabama sits in these rankings, you can kind of understand why Texas five stars would be tempted to leave the state. And Texas and Texas A&M bring up the rear, basically, besides Oregon. Texas is particularly brutal. They had been last in the development ratings every year before this year. They finally got the 2011 class off the board. That was a number top top five class for Mac Brown. And I think only one out of the 10 players that qualified for the study were drafted from that group. That's abysmal. Texas 2010 class was really abysmal as well. I believe that was a number one overall class in the country. Uh, so removing them for the rankings kind of gets them out of the cellar, but not really quite. They're still really low. I think Texas has had 
12 draft eligible five stars since 2010. So from 2010 to 2018, including Caden Stearns, who was just drafted recently. And only one of those was a first round pick. That's just abysmal. That's like an abysmal kind of production thing. So that's why Texas ranks so low. And it's Tom Herman's fault a little bit. It's Charlie Strong's fault a little bit. It's definitely Mac Brown's fault a little bit. So all those kind of pieces fell together and it's up to Steve Sarkeesian, as you said. Texas A&M, I think, is a more interesting case. The Aggies aren't a program I really think of as struggling to develop. They had really big wins like Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans, but those guys were three-star recruits and they went on to be first-round picks in the NFL. We're only looking at kind of the elite recruits coming out of high school. So while A&M did produce a first-round pick in Miles Garrett, uh, he obviously went number one overall to the Cleveland Browns. A lot of their other kind of elite recruiting wins of the Kevin Sumlin era just like failed to pan out. I'm thinking of a guy like Trey Williams. I'm thinking of Ricky Seals-Jones. thinking of Speedy Knoll, all of whom were undrafted as kind of five-star players. And that really hurts AM standing here in these rankings. So while AM does have a couple wins, Justin Matabuke was just drafted in the third round recently. Dalen Mack maybe wasn't as successful as people wanted him to be as a five-star recruit, but he was drafted in the fifth round. But all in all, AM did not have enough wins to kind of offset their developmental failures kind of in the Kevin Sumlin era. And I think when you think about how that tenure went, it's a big reason why Kevin Sumlin couldn't really get out of that eight-win plateau he was stuck in for such a long time. And Trey, I don't know about you, I think Jimbo Fisher is going to pull Texas A&M out of that kind of issue. And I think we saw a little bit of that last year, but that's the reason why A&M is so low in these rankings. Yeah. And they don't even get credit for Kyler Murray, um, who's, who's getting, uh, Oklahoma credit. Well, you know, and, and as we wrap this up, it, it's funny, Paul Feinbaum said this week that Texas is irrelevant. But I promise you, Chris, when this story comes out, every single person is going to be talking about Texas and Texas A&M because those are the most interesting components of this entire development rating. Great job. I know this was a lot of research. I know you're probably worn down. You got to hit on HQ, CBS Sports HQ, talking about all this today. Chris, I'm, I'm sure they're going to ask you about the same schools we're talking to you about here. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate our producer, Lance Glenn, for his work on this episode. My name is Trey Scott. We will talk to you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.